Welcome to the One Stop Shop Podcast. One Stop Shop is Receiptful's weekly podcast with the goal of helping ambitious e-commerce merchants learn from the best. Each episode will have a successful business person tell us their story from their humble beginnings to their triumphs and successes of where they are today. On today's episode, we chat with David, the Director of Marketing and IT from Blackstone Labs. Topics include things like the value of social media and how to best engage your customers. Now, on to the show. Hello, everybody. This is Jeff and our lovely co-host, Aliana. And with us today, we have David. David, how do I properly pronounce your last name? Winsour. Winsour. It almost looks like dinosaur with the last part, Winsour. I had uh, never heard that before, actually. I'm 30 years old, and I've <laughs> had a lot of people make fun of that name or you know parody it, and that is by far the first time I've heard anything that crazy. So what, what is the best I'm impressed. Parody? I was going to say, what's the uh, the best parody you've had so far? Typically, it's Windsaver, Windslayer, Windsewer, stuff like that. I had a Comcast bill that said Windchaser once, which was pretty neat. That's awesome. It's like uh, it reminds me of like a D and D character or something. Yeah, very very similar. <laughs> but right on. So the the real reason that we're talking to you is that you are affiliated with Blackstone Labs. What is your role and what is Blackstone Labs? Cool. So Blackstone Labs is a hardcore supplement company, and I'm the vice president there. I started out a couple of years ago as essentially just a, the web guy, which a lot of companies have just the one weird web dude, whatever you want to call them. And I've worked really hard and recently I promoted a few times. And what I do for the company, essentially I just make sure, you know, all the departments are on task and I'm really tied in though with marketing. Marketing and web development is sort of my my niche here. And the company itself, to expand on the hardcore supplement issue or subject or concept, whatever you want to call it, is we target the freaks, I guess is the way we put it. We're very down to earth or grassroots company too. We don't we don't mind saying things like that. And when you go to the gym and you see the people that are just huge and almost Hulk like, that's probably our customer base. So basically the guys that can't itch their own backs. Exactly. Right. Yes. And there there are we even prank people around here with some of the bigger guys in the office will put a sticker in the middle of their back and they they're they're done. They can't do anything about it. <laughs> they require assistance to get it off. <laughs> that is our, our typical our demographic. And we've since then we've grown out to broader demographics with new products and things, but our tagline for a long time was the hardcore holy grail of bodybuilding supplements. We always push the line of what's legal or not. We we say on the legal side, but if you want something that's very close to the limit. Blackstone's going to have what's legal in the U.S., and no one else is going to come close. Why do you focus on the on the freaks of the industry, as you said? Because the owners sort of came from that, to be honest. P.J. Braun is a bodybuilder himself, and he looks very freaky to the normal to normal you know civilians or normal humans. And he he's exceptionally large, and when people see him, they're sort of taken aback at how strong this person is or how how sculpted his body is, not to praise, like overpraise him too much in a weird way, but he works very hard in his physique. And he got a reputation as a competitor and also as a coach. He was He's very knowledgeable and he he's very educated. And because he got such a reputation with coaching and supplementation and stuff, eventually he started his own, him and this other guy named Aaron started their own company. And because of his reputation, that sort of carried it going on. That's all they needed because he was so well known. And why do you think of of all the 
hardcore bodybuilding supplement companies out there, and I, I, I don't have a, like hard facts about how many are out there, but I'm sure there are. But what do you think makes Blackstone Labs stand out amongst the competition? Basically, what helped us initially was the way we marketed it. We didn't market it ourselves as some big company selling stuff. We just did it honestly. Like we, we did a lot through Instagram and a lot through just PJ and Aaron hanging out and talking about these supplements and showing what they did. And then these supplements, they, they are very noticeable when you take them. Um, it's not just something you take and you hope it works. People definitely are getting bigger. So that sort of grassroots marketing where you're just you're talking to the people directly, you're not necessarily spending goo goo dollars on all these billboards and stuff or TV ads. It was just, it's very, I like to call it honest because it's, that's what we sort of started with. That really helped push Blackstone over the edge. And on top of when people actually start to, that, that helps us develop trust with the customer. And when they try our products, I think over 60% of our customers will buy at least six times. We, it's pretty insane, um, the retention rate we have. How do you communicate that honestly? Like, you know, you've talked about you guys being honest, but can you be a little more specific about that? Are you referring to the, the reviews? Or are you referring to showing results of before and after? Or it's, it's all of those things. And I say honest because honest is a way to – PJ won't lie to you when you ask him questions and stuff like that. And a big sort of taboo in America is like steroid use where steroids are legal almost all throughout the world I, except in Australia and U.S. basically. And PJ is open with it because if you're an actual bodybuilder you are stuck on a stage, you've taken a steroid and people who don't or claim they don't are probably lying. And when you talk to PJ on his like – he'll do like daily – Periscope sessions and Facebook video sessions and stuff. He's honest with that stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's also honest with the actual supplements he takes. Like he, We won't release a supplement unless we test it in-house and PJ likes it. And other people give you know, really good feedback from internal testing and stuff like that. We don't just release stuff and hype it up and say it's good unless we know it's good. And we've worked really hard on some products that were really close to going to market that we knew we could make a ton of money off of. But because PJ didn't feel it was authentic or PJ didn't want to have his name you know, attached to something like snake oil, because we, we hate that, we don't sell those products. We refuse to. Absolutely 100% will not sell anything that's not honest and authentic. And ways to validate that, sure, you can do customers doing before and after pictures, which we do, and we, we encourage that. But we also we, we just talk to our customers so openly and so freely through the Receiptful app, for example. Customers can give their feedback and what they like and stuff. And when they have a negative experience, we make sure that we have someone in office actually call them Mm-hmm. and talk to them. We don't just shoot them a message and say, hey, we hope for the best. If, if we've captured their phone number, we want to make sure they're taken care of and that they feel they've gotten a really genuine experience. And it's really important to do that in this industry compared to some others because this is someone's body. It's not something they bought at Target like a pair of pants. That You know what I mean? It's honestly just not as important right. compared to what you're actually putting into your, your system. So, I'm not sure if that answered your question or not. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's about managing people's expectations. Correct. Cool. So... You head up marketing. What does that actually mean? Like more specifically, what types of things are you responsible for with your role in the company? So in regards to the marketing departments, we, we split it up into two. We have digital and creative, which the words could be, I guess the titles are a little off, but creative is the anything from the label designers to the guys that make to the girls and guys making Instagram graphics, banners, posters, you know, everything that a customer will see or interact with. The digital side is doing things like receiptful ads and coming up with marketing campaigns, how we can reach out to our customers more. That's the actual, we spend X dollars and get ROI, X ROI, or we actually think of, it's a think tank. We think of ideas on how to interact with our customers more, 
more successfully, how to make them happier. Mm-hmm. And I oversee both of those departments. When I first got here, it was pretty much just me and PJ doing it. And that was our role in the company because PJ is also really heavily involved in marketing. He loves it. But since we've grown so much in the past three years, I couldn't handle it myself. So now we have probably seven people, eight people in marketing that are directly under me that they're making videos, they're making graphics, they're creating ad campaigns, the different systems we use, working on the site, working on receiptful apps, you know, all these things that we're constantly changing. Literally every day, something new almost has been brought to the table in regards to that we can market to these kind of customers in this way and give them a better experience or make them feel or generate more trust with them. Yeah. So with that then, like, are these people, just from a, a practical standpoint, are these people full-time that are with you, part-time? Are they subcontracts? Yeah. We have probably, I think, 30, 35 employees full-time. And we do have some people sub- subcontracted out. If you don't count, a lot of them are demo reps. A demo rep is if you were to go to a vitamin shop, for example, there would be a, not a Blackstone table, because Blackstone is forbidden from vitamin shop because we're too hardcore. I don't mean that as a parody, but... Or joke, but like our supplements are very, very close to pushing legal limits, so they won't they won't carry your stuff. But those are demo reps. We have a lot of those throughout the country. I wouldn't really consider those subcontracted, but we probably have another ten to fifteen subcontracted. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. cool. No, that makes sense. If I understand correctly, like along with Blackstone Labs, PJ is also managing or has uh, another one, which is Prime Nutrition Supplements. Correct. Correct. And what about Celestial Bodies, which is like a women's uh, fitness clothing line? Correct. So what those two companies do, Celestial Bodies is PJ married Celeste Bonin. Oh, okay. And she is a former WWE diva. Mm-hmm. And he has a romantic story. If you look it up, he, he chased her around a bit. He really was infatuated with her and he, he was able to convince her to date him. And he was head over heels and I'm getting married with her. And she, when she was wrestling, she had a pair of clothes designed to make her butt look better, which... We're very vanity-based in our, in our industry, and uh, the way they were tailored was pretty much – it wasn't patented at the time or copywritten or anything, but because they were so effective, she's like, I could probably start a clothing line with this, and I could probably sell a lot of pairs of pants because a lot of girls would like this kind of stuff, and I got a lot of comments when she was wrestling – or when she was wrestling. So her and PJ started Celestial Bodies, and I was the one that originally built the site for them and stuff a long time ago before they hired me full-time, and that clothing line is doing – exceptionally well all over the world we have people where they're called booty scrunch leggings that's the like the hashtag or the trademark or whatever mm-hmm. and it's really this women's fitness line that's sort of taken off because it's doing something different like there's a lot of you know leggings or yoga pants and things like that you see they're just they all look the same but if you see a pair of booty scrunch leggings like typically they're they're very high quality we pay much more than most people can buy them for uh we don't really the profit margins aren't huge but that's because we want to release the really quality products. And because of Celeste's interaction with her fans and PJ's too, uh, uh, actually, because they're so open and available to talk to, and because we reach out to them so much, we develop that trust with them. And when they try the product, they like it because it's a really good product. And the same, sort of the same thing happened. We developed trust, we gave them a good product, and the customers did the work by this, you know, word of mouth. They, they did it for us. They would talk to their other customers or their other girlfriends, things like that. The guys buying the Blackstone Labs products would see that PJ's wife had booty scrunch leggings. They liked the way they looked. They bought them for their girlfriends. So the businesses sort of complement each other. Now, managing the, the marketing of just one business is, I mean, it's probably difficult enough. Like, how do you organize your day to, to handle all of these together? We're very not organized, but we're very organized at the same time. Mm-hmm. And as contradictory as that is, we, we have long-term goals and short-term goals that we discuss not all the time. The people we hire, we make sure they're very good at 
from maybe 12 p.m. to 12.40 p.m. They're working on this for this project, and they can quickly adapt to what we're working on for other projects. And because I communicate so often with PJ and Celeste, we're always on the same wavelength. And because I can communicate with my teammates very well, we're able to manage marketing for these companies at the same time without ever losing a step. And it really, honestly, isn't that hard. It's I, I believe I believe a part of that, honestly, the success of doing something like that is really in the person who's interviewing these people. Because if you make sure you're hiring the right people for the job that know how to communicate and know how to work through tough times, tough times is even a bad word, but know how to you know navigate through all this chaos, so to speak, you're going to be fine. It's really not that complicated once you get people that can just talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And that really was fundamental in us being able to accomplish what we've accomplished so far. Getting the right people. Yes. How do you? What is your determining factor for that? Because even for like where I am hiring new people on my business and that type of thing, mm-hmm. it's so much of it does revolve around the onboarding process and being able to yep. vet quickly. What key indicators have you guys found that this is a good person or a good fit and this person is not? We're very unfair in the interview. I don't like asking the generic questions. I like asking questions like, "What is your biggest failure in your life, not work related?" And they don't have to answer it, but I want to see where people messed up at. And a lot of, and if I can tell a person's honest through that, like I, I try to gauge how it's 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 very hard to explain this, but I try to I'm gauging how people are answering these questions and stuff, and how they're communicating their problems to me. And if they can communicate their biggest failure to me, that sort of helps. Um, another question I like to ask in interviews often is, why are manhole covers around? Manholes are sewer covers, and that if I, that's normally towards creative people, I ask that question too. Because then they have to think, why is a manhole cover round? Why aren't they square? Why aren't they triangle? What are the benefits of having one being round? Can you transport it easier? And there is no wrong or right answer to this, but by asking these kind of off-the-wall questions that they haven't rehearsed, because if I have, you, you sort of see how a person actually communicates under stress, duress even, or pressure. Um, I also tell them that the job's not fair, that I will call you at night sometimes to get graphics made, and that's what it is. And if you don't want to work here for us for that, you don't have to. We're We'll find someone else, and it's harsh to do that, and it's probably not really frowned or you know looked upon well. But I just make it, I make it sound like it's terrible to work here, almost, without actually saying that. I'm like, I'm like, it's just brutal. You're going to come in at eight, you're going to leave sometimes at nine or ten, and you do that for two weeks straight, and it's just how it is. I'm like, you're going to complain about that because if you're the kind of person that complains, we don't want you. And I, I do it. And we actually have never done that, never. I think we've had one project where we had to work four days for like twelve hours in a row, like some of my team. That was once in two and a half years. I just really like to shake and rattle the people up as much as possible and judging. And it's all, it's not even honestly the words they say too much. It's how they react to the situations. That's who I gauge is a proper fit. Mm -hmm. Not sure if that makes sense or that's, or if that helps at all or if I ramble too much. What kind of, like when you say, I want to see how they react. So I understand when you say that you've probably never done these things to these people, but you tell them I'm going to call you at one o'clock in the morning, probably because you, you know, you want to see if they're really passionate about it. And if they, you know, if they're going to be the right person, you know, willing to put in the extra work and go the extra mile. But when you say looking for reactions, so what are like some tips or some clues that a person should be looking for in the reaction of their the people that they're interviewing for a specific position? Sure. So for marketing people in a hire, I like the manhole question a lot because I won't let them not answer, typically. I, I really push them to answer. And I like to see some really good answers, for example. I can't. There's been a lot, so I can't remember them specifically. They would tell me 
well, I think the manhole covers around because of X, Y, and Z, because it's easier to transport, because humans fit through a round shape better than this, because tools would fit through a round shape. And it honestly could take them almost five to ten minutes to answer this question sometimes, and we'll talk about it. But if they can actually have that conversation with me for five to ten minutes, talking about why a manhole cover should be round, I know that that person's probably very creative. Whereas if a person says, I don't really know, I never thought about it, and they just stop talking, that's an indicator to me that that person doesn't necessarily have a really good creative mind. You know what? It's honestly unfair because I, I probably could have missed people that really have creative minds that just couldn't answer that one question right. And that's okay. I think we've done very well so far, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy with my results. But with the failure question too, asking a person what their biggest failure in life is really catches them off guard because they're in, in corporate environments. Blackson Labs is very not corporate. People are expected to you know talk about their degrees or their previous job experience. And we do touch on that a little bit because it's necessary. But when you ask them that question, they just get taken aback and if they don't feel comfortable answering, I don't want to say it's a strike against them, but it, when they are comfortable answering, it shows me that they're honest and that they, and what the, actually what that resolution is. Like a good example of the failure question is we had a, we were interviewing for an entry level graphics position, and we had a guy and a girl both interviewing, and the guy was very skilled. He actually had graphics that were better than the girls and stuff. But when I answered the failure question, he gave me some really generic answer that wasn't. I don't think he meant it. I don't think it was true. Whereas the girl said, I really regret waiting until I was 25 to start working on my career, and I'm really looking forward to making myself a better person. And it took a few minutes to answer that, but and her answer was much more in-depth than that. But through that, I felt she was more honest. She'd be more honest with me. Mm-hmm. And when you communicate with people as often as we do, and as, as tight-knit as we are here, honesty is very important. And whereas the gentleman who gave the question I didn't feel was very honest, I didn't. it's not someone I'd look forward to really communicating with on a, on a more personal or intimate level just doesn't fit with the culture of the company, right? Correct. In Blackstone's culture, like we curse a lot. Our products have curse words in them sometimes. We're very rogue in a way. So that's why we ask those questions. If I were to ask those kind of questions at another company, like I used to work for Chipotle in their corporate office for a little bit, and I remember the questions I received there, and they were nothing like those kind of questions. And I don't think you really could ask those questions where dangerous is a wrong word because we're not asking anything illegal, but they just don't really give you a definitive answer it's all in in intuition and feeling and you have to really trust who the interviewer is to make sure that their intuition is right because you're obviously going to put money into onboarding this person successfully and doing the training process and stuff and fortunately i I suppose i'm a good judge of character because it's worked out but yeah that's really that's really sort of it i'm not sure that answers everything properly at face value you guys sell bodybuilding supplements fitness clothes and other workout type merch but what yep. do you feel like your customers are actually buying? Relationship. Honestly, it is a goal in a relationship. Everyone we buy, everyone that buys from us will receive a phone call from us, usually within 30 days, um, unless they didn't give us their phone number or they gave us the wrong phone number. And we really guide them through making sure that they're, they bought the right thing and they're, they're going to achieve the goals they want. We have supplements to help you get really big. We have supplements to help you get sort of big but stay really lean. We have supplements just to strictly burn fat. And if people buy the wrong thing, we make sure that they send us the wrong. That we get them the right thing. We don't. We don't usually charge them or charge them for that. We're not trying to do that. We're trying to get the customer in for the long term, as much as possible. And we don't mind even losing a little money at first to do that, such as giving them an extra supplement for free when they call in because they weren't achieving their goal the right way, even if it's their fault. Which unfortunately, most of the time, it is the customer's fault for not buying the right thing. So customers know that, and because they tell each other that, they don't mind purchasing into this this fitness goal that they're most likely going to achieve, especially if they stay on track with someone that they're talking to at Blackstone. We have, I think it's eight guys right now that 
are constantly every day calling and talking to customers and building relationships. Most of them now just text their customers, which if we were in a bigger corporation, again, that's a huge no-no. But that's how our people work. They're just texting customers and their friends now. They're friends on Facebook. I've, I've had customers add me on Facebook, even though I've never dealt with customer service, because they're because my friends work in the CS department, and I'm, I'm a friend of a friend and stuff. But you build these relationships with these people, and you help them achieve their goals and stuff. And they're really proud to wear the Blackstone apparel. We never thought the Blackstone apparel would ever be anything a customer would really want to buy. Like, who, who cares? It's a shirt for some supplement company. But they're super proud to wear it because they know that they're buying something that will work. And that is backed up, and then if it's not right, or if it doesn't work for them, that they can call us, and they're going to be taken care of without an issue. You definitely are answering that from the front of like what you're doing to continue the relationship. How about on the the front, on the before people enter in? Maybe I'm on the website, I'm considering mm-hmm. a purchase. How do you feel like your brand conveys those things? I honestly feel like we convey that poorly right now. If you want to be honest, it's really hard for customers who are new to this to understand what you're trying to get into. And I'm not sure if you work out a lot or if you're big, or like you're, if you're like a bodybuilder, but you'd probably have no idea what to buy unless I told you, which we have ways to help with customers, with CS reps that will talk to you on the site and guide you on the right path. But we sort of failed at that. And that's something we're working on changing. We want to change it so people can shop by goal so that they're, they're buying a goal. The phrase is buying a dream. And I think dreams makes it sound cheesy or corny. And again, I don't know if this is either answering your question either. I hope it is. But we're hoping that they know that they know that they're buying something that's going to get them a desired effect that they take the supplement if you really want to get really basic. Is that answering what you want? I'm not sure. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's really just like kind of diving into most people buy results. Like, I mean, say what Receiptful does or what our my company does or anything, it's like they're not actually buying the product or the service, they're buying whatever the result is. And so it's a matter of what did you feel like the customers are actually buying and how is the brand conveying that thing? And, and I feel like those are suitable answers, what you gave so far. No, it, it seems like the, uh, you know, the brand Blackstone Labs is really leveraging social media very well. I mean, you guys have almost 90,000 people following you on Instagram and then 100,000 on Facebook and then thousands more between channels on, you know, YouTube and Twitter and the blog and the podcast. If I'm correct, there's a podcast also on the website. Can you tell us what are some of your favorite ways to use social media to attract and build an audience? Build, it was mostly with PJ's reputation as a coach and things like that. It's really, if you're trying to get like in bodybuilding shape to go on stage and for you to find a coach, it's expensive. It's very expensive to be a bodybuilder. And all of a sudden you have PJ answering these questions for free and having periscope sessions for 30 minutes every morning where he just, while he's doing cardio and you can actually see what he's taking, he's literally just knocking these customers out and answering them. Hey, this is what you should take here. Welcome back. I remember from yesterday, how did, how did the supplement go? Things like that. That really helped build things up because it was super attractive. And also there's things, and if if other marketers are listening to this, there's simple things such as giveaways, things like that, share of tagging. Share and tag a friend who could benefit from getting some protein in their diet, things like that. Or we ha- we have little competitions all the time. We all, like probably four times a year we'll fly someone down to hang out with us for a couple days, and we'll do that. They need to tell us a motivational story, for example. What motivates you the most in general? Or we did one recently. What motivates you the most in specifics to what piece of media has motivated you the most? Whether it be an album cover, a magazine you've seen, something like that. And it'll, all these people start responding because for them to enter the competition, they have to, you know, repost with the hashtag and tag a friend and stuff like that. So all these people start getting into this contest and saying, this is what motivates me. This is what motivates me. I want to be motivated. 
And then when we pick these winners and actually fly them down and have a great time with them, all of a sudden they're telling all their friends about how awesome Blackstone Labs was and how cool the team is and how down to earth they are. So that really helped us explode the wrong, it's a good word, I guess, but really grow and continue our growth. It, it's not like it's stopped. On top of PJ's backing through obviously being a competitor and things like that, that helped a lot because that he wasn't just some guy giving advice. He was obviously someone that was well-respected and, and trusted. And the, the biggest medium for us by far was Instagram. And a lot of that has to do with if we're into bodybuilding, bodybuilding space and appearance, Instagram is photos. It's, it sort of goes hand in hand. That helped a lot too. But for our listeners who, you know, I mean, PJ was there from the beginning, right? And his name helped tremendously, it sounds like. What are some tips that some of our listeners can can follow to build and attract an audience if they don't have a personal brand like PJ does? Honestly, Facebook marketing will let you do some pretty good paid likes based on it. And I, it sound, sounded weird to me, too. We didn't start doing it until recently. But we can start getting more likes based on what people could be into, what their friends are into. And by doing that, you can help grow your brand's validity and find these new customers that you didn't find before. Mm-hmm. And specifically also free stuff. People don't like doing that, but the, the contests are really big for that. And free stuff was really big for that. And it it's starting from nothing. If no one knows who you are at all, that can be pretty tough. I don't honestly have a good answer for that because we didn't really start that way from 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 scratch like that and i think it's almost where it's it's besides you know paying for advertising or doing you know free giveaways Mm -hmm. i'd be at a loss at at the beginning to be honest you know like you said pj's name was there to back up the company from the beginning right yes and you mentioned that if pj was some random guy that people probably wouldn't listen to him like like they did in the beginning when he started this company. I don't know if you would agree with me, but do you think that if someone has free educational content, that that would help attract? Absolutely, yeah. Free content, we even still do it. And we're, we have more on the works in regards to like nutrition guides and supplement guides, but really giving things for the consumer that are actually beneficial and not just the picture, but things that they can actually use in their life is huge. I like that as a consumer on the things I'm into. I... I play guitar and stuff, so I'll follow miscellaneous artists and things like lesson school, stuff like that online, or like online tutorials on how to play certain songs. And when people actually don't just show a picture of a guitar and like Jimmy Page or something, but actually show you how to play a certain part, or actually give you something valuable, some valuable content, super effective. I'm totally following them now, mm-hmm. and they've gotten me as a customer, and that didn't really cost them that much. Sure. And it doesn't have to always just be a free physical product. product. The educational aspect is huge absolutely i would I really support that so i mean let's kind of default back sync it to the social and so this can be an overwhelming thing you guys had this unfair advantage of having a known entity or a known person let's validate it a little bit how much do you feel like your social media plays into your bottom line and in your sales Ooh, two-thirds it, it's a lot we are one of the biggest direct-to-consumer supplement companies out there if not the biggest and because of it, it, especially at the start, it was probably a hundred percent, you know, for the first year or two, um, that's, that's even how the, the retail stores heard about us. Once the retail stores sort of heard about us, it, it became less about our social media and more about customers asking for, for them to carry our products. But if social media didn't exist, it'd be very hard for Blackstone Labs to be where it is today. I don't know if it could have happened. And PJ would be very quick to tell you the same thing. He's very, very into social media marketing. Interacting with the customer like that is 
is what created Blackstone. And the way that was handled is really what made Blackstone separate from these other supplement companies that are just now catching on or just realize that social media is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's huge. That's, I mean, most of the time, it's that's not always the case. But the fact that you are estimating, I mean, obviously, it's not hard numbers, but two-thirds, that's, that's a big... Big Correct. Like if you were to if you were to look at it from outside the box and you, you you see how companies are started, people think of a product and how they would want to market it and how much you know capital started up and stuff like that. Whereas really for us, it's more about what well, we're going to do. The social media marketing company, you sort basically really it's like we're it was social media first, and interacting with the customer in a very good way first, and then you start going on to other things such as the product, which seems. I suppose backwards, especially if you were to go to business school or something, but uh, that's where marketing is nowadays. I mean, print magazines and stuff are sort of dead. Social media is where it's at. And because PJ at the beginning was so into social media, he got us to where we're at today. And PJ and Celeste uh, both have a series on YouTube called A Day in the Life of Beauty and Brown. And it has like thousands of, of viewers and I was, you know, I was overwhelmed with the number of people that, you know, leaving comments and, and stuff like that. But for our listeners who are not, you know, familiar with the brand, can you tell us a little bit more about these series? Sure. So basically because we got so many people that we couldn't really interact with or explain what's going on at Blackstone, especially because people want to talk to PJ and Celeste so much, by them doing this reality show, basically, it actually lets all these people that want to interact with us more they can see what we're doing more easily. It's, it's readily available. And we didn't know if people would be really interested in it. And people are really interested in it. And the YouTube numbers are actually pretty poor compared to the Facebook numbers. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure. I know Facebook's algorithm is sort of cheaty. Whereas if a person just looks at the video for like half a second, it counts as a view. Whereas YouTube, it requires a much more significant amount of time. But uh, we have videos in the 300, 400,000 views on on Facebook. Whereas compared to YouTube, I, I believe they're you know, a fraction of that, tenth or a quarter maybe past of that. It became this thing where we, we tried a few episodes, wanted to see if customers would like it, if they felt like they could get to know PJ and Celeste a little better because of it. And it's insane how well it's taken off. I was at a bodybuilding convention, you know, just running the booth and stuff and helping the team out. And I had a couple of people come up and recognize me from the background, which is super weird because I'm not a celebrity. I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm extremely out of shape. We talked about it at the beginning of the podcast. I have played Dungeons and Dragons. I, I play music and stuff. I'm not, a, I'm not this bodybuilder kind of guy. I'm definitely out of the mold, but... They recognize us. They recognize the customer service team and stuff like that by name. Not even just you're wow. the guy. They, they knew who I was and they knew that I did marketing. And I never wanted to be in the videos particularly. I, I, it cool, it's cool you that it happened. You somehow you ended but, up there. Right? And I ended up there. And it's, people like watching it. They just feel... But why? Why do you think people like watching? I mean, you, you did sure. mention that it's probably to, to you know, answer questions. That's, that was the reason why the video started yeah. at the beginning. But do you think that's really why people like to watch it? Beauty and Brawn is less about answering fitness questions because we don't really talk to customers in that as much. We just talk about what's going on at Blackstone or in PJ and Celeste Daily Lives with Celestial Bodies and the pets and the teams and stuff like that. And there's drama. PJ really does not like to be filtered. And we like to be extremely open and transparent even when bad things happen. And we had a client we had to sue because they were, they were screwing around with us on Amazon and stuff. And this, most companies would be like, hey, let's, let's not put that on our social media video or our, on our YouTube video. And PJ's like, nope, that's going in. And people wanted to know what happened. Why is Blackstone Labs banned on Amazon? Did they get their money back from this guy that tried to sue them and stuff like that? And we're just open with it. And because it's actual, it's real drama that's not edited, so to speak, or fabricated, we don't, we've never come up with any script, plot line, storyline. We'll have ideas once in a while. Like, hey, do you think it'd be funny if we did 
if we took the dogs to the park and stuff, like that's a bad example, but we just wing it and we go with it and we just show what's actually happening. It's gotten to the point now where the camera guy, Eric, is he pretty much just is always recording what PJ's doing and just makes a show out of it. <laughs> that, that's it. And it's it is a reality show, isn't it? Yeah, and it, it's a lot of unfortunately a lot of reality shows sort of you know they were scripted or they were obviously trying to do things to increase ratings. We just show what we got, and people have always liked it. And because the people at Blackstone tend to be very honest and transparent, people pick up on that pretty quickly, and they enjoy it because they know they're not being lied to or they're not getting something that's fabricated. They're actually getting what's really going on in these people's lives. Right, You're building trust, just a yep. different way. Right? Yep. Yep. Yes, yeah. yeah, so, I mean clearly, I'm. I'm in a constant theme of the transparency, honesty, communication, all these things. And like you mentioned, audiences often like to see behind the curtain. And it seems like there's more and more of that with businesses that are doing well of, of just letting people on the inside of this is what the, the day in the life is. And so yep. how specifically then do you feel like PJ and Celeste, their openness on all these different mediums, how is that helping the brand? It's much easier to sell to someone who trusts you. And PJ and Celeste, by nature, are people who like to build up trust and like to talk a lot and, you know, really interact. So by just being themselves and establishing trust, if I were to recommend a product to a friend, that, that customer is obviously much more, to like, much more likely to buy it is if they were just to see it on a rack somewhere because they have no idea. Like if we, if Blackstone was sold in Walmart, for example, or Target or CVS or something, it'd be no one would buy it because they wouldn't know what it is, even as effective as the products are and as great as they are. So that I'm not sure that answers the question or not. Is that am I on the right path or? Yeah, yeah you're. You seem very uh, concerned if you're answering our questions properly. Why is that? I've done podcasts before, and I also ramble a lot. And I just want to make sure that I'm answering. Your, I don't know. I just want to. I guess I wanted to earn your trust or make. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> give you the right information. No, I mean if, if if that's what comes to mind, I mean that that's a thing of what we're trying to do too is just get that. I mean how you're being Genuine. honest and whatever. I mean to be able to have an authentic answer and response to to these types of things and just to see the reality of of what what does it take to run a successful ecom business and and one of the things that we're hoping to do with our podcast is just get mm-hmm. a real look because one of the things we've noticed is it's just not conveyed all the time a lot of the time it's uh, happy rainbows we were saying on our last interview that we had of oh this is how this works and this is how you get a million followers with basically no effort and it's like well that's <laughs> not always the case and no it's, it's, it's an effort believe me the, i've never seen people work as hard as they have except here and a lot of that's because fortunately the, comp- the, the company pays very well which obviously helps but pj is very involved with everyone's lives and stuff and he and even the the market le- the marketing leaders and the team leaders and stuff they we really care about the employees too so that helps a lot but the effort is insane like I work pretty much midnight to midnight and that doesn't mean I'm at a desk grinding away but I talk to people on the team every night we talk on the phone and we go over ideas or things or one of my friends was on Reddit and he saw something that'd be pretty cool so he called me about an idea for Blackstone didn't even work for the company but we just he feels like he's part of it because we're just so open about it. And that, that helps a lot with that aspect. Yeah, that's and I, good. And I, I personally, I, I really appreciate you being candid about, you know, earlier when we were asking you about um, social media and how mm-hmm. you had all these numbers. And, you know, you were very honest about it. You said it was PJ's personal brand that got us here. Yep. So instead of saying, you know, oh, we, if we did this and we did that and we're amazing, it worked out for us. Yeah. 
So. No, I mean, there are some things where maybe, I guess we're, we've done really well. Well, like, you guys, I'm not saying, no, no, I'm not saying, but, yeah. obviously, I'm not saying that, you know, you can't, even if you have like a million followers, you know, if you're not producing really entertaining, captivating, useful marketing that keeps these people engaged and interested in the brand, you're going to lose it just because you have people liking your page. I mean, people can buy likes nowadays, you know, but if you're not really, if you're not doing proper marketing, you're not going to be able to maintain and sustain it. And I'm sure PJ is not, you know, his brand could help him launch the product in the beginning and get him, you know, some momentum, but someone is going to be behind the scenes doing all the work, which is why you guys have, you know, all these, you know, staff members working, you know, day and night about. So, yeah, but we, you know, we really appreciate you being honest about that part too. No problem. So, Tell us now that you're using all these different platforms, because, you know, some people think that if you're using social media, it means use everything that's out there, right? There's Facebook, there's Twitter, there's Instagram, there's Pinterest, there's YouTube, this and that. And it it seems to me that this is a misconception because not only is it overwhelming, but sometimes it's just counterproductive. Like people end up doing a little bit on each channel and not really communicating properly. And all these channels are different. They have different purposes, right? Some of them like focus on the visual side. Some of them focus on, you know, text, like Twitter, for example, for like snaps of text versus YouTube. You're not going to produce, you know, videos all the time on Twitter. It's not going to work and, you know, vice versa. So how do you guys come to an understanding to the native language of every platform and how do you leverage the norms and the the language is spoken on these on these platforms. Tell me if the question is not clear enough, and I'll clarify it. For totally you. clear. So we really we don't even use that many platforms. We just don't. They're not right for us. We use Instagram, Facebook. We have a Twitter. We don't really pursue it in marketing at all. I think we have a Pinterest just for the name. I don't think we've ever posted anything on it, not to my knowledge, unless some of the teammates have. Mm-hmm. But really, it's all Facebook and Instagram, YouTube as well. We post our content there, but. We don't see much value in the others because we can't communicate with customers as much or because they're not what that's not what it's made for. Like Pinterest is not made for bodybuilding supplements, right? Like that's not really And mostly women, right? Mostly mostly it, women. mostly women too. That's fine. Grass, we we yeah. do have a, a female audience for sure. I'm not trying to neglect that, but it's just not it's not who we are. It's just not Right, but you, but you don't find the the bodybuilder females usually are not on, on Pinterest. I mean that too. Um, yeah. and they're they're not and it's just there's a ton of social media things out there these days, and I, I probably should keep a better tab on the new ones that are coming out and things, but we just never really found value in it. It's not where our customer is. Our customer is on Instagram, and our customer is on Facebook. Our customers really aren't on the others. They're on YouTube, too, but they're, they're not. And even on things, Reddit now can, a lot of companies, unfortunately, like market themselves on Reddit and like try and sneak their way in and we don't really do that we just we've happened to we will talk to people on the bodybuilding subreddits and things like that just because we we've happened to have been redditors for five years three years things like that mm-hmm. and that is a form of marketing itself but we've never actually considered paying for paid advertising on reddit or anything like that it's just not our market it's just it's not and this may sound this totally sounds wrong but it's not vain enough we're vanity right we're bodybuilders it's all about making your body do it like pushing your body to the limit and seeing what it can do you can really show that off on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. You can't show it off in these other mediums. So we, we could, but it wouldn't be true. Like if you saw Blackstone Labs on Pinterest, it just, it would almost seem fake. Yeah, no, that I think that totally answers. So I mean, thank you so much for all this information you've been providing us so far. Um, it's really cool to get a a brief look at what you guys are all about. If people want to learn more about what you're doing and your company and just companies in general, what would be a good place for them to go and find out more? 
Best thing they could honestly do, uh, most people are going to say go to the site and look at our products. Just follow us on Instagram and see if you like us, see if you like the kind of posts you make, or follow or follow PJ Braun and Celeste Bonin. If you just follow those three or any one of them, because they're so interwovenly together, you'll learn about our family and our environment, and you'll hopefully you'll be interested in what's going on here. We, we have some pretty funny – a lot of times we have really funny stuff going on. We have drama of all types, good and bad, so as well as information about our products. We, we do put that in there, obviously. That's where I'd start. Instagram.com, search for Blackstone Labs, and knock yourself out. Perfect. Yeah, we'll make sure that we have links to all that stuff in the show notes as well. Cool. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on here. One Stop Shop is a production of Receiptful. Learn how to personalize and tailor every interaction with your customer by visiting Receiptful.com. This podcast was produced in partnership with Come Alive Creative. For help building, improving, and marketing your e-commerce store, visit ComeAliveCreative.com. To listen to more episodes from this series, you can visit Receiptful.com forward slash podcast. Or if you want to give us a rating on iTunes, Receiptful.com forward slash iTunes. Oh,